Hello, welcome to Serial Killers and Seltzer. I am actually not drinking a seltzer because it's 10 a.m. This is a monster. A magic seltzer, if you will. Um, so uh, let's just start with this. I'm drinking a uh, white monster energy zero ultra. Okay, so I almost had a fucking mental breakdown because, oh, my laptop battery is low. Of course it is. Also, I couldn't get my printer to work, so that was fun. That was exciting. I'm going to try and plug in my laptop while I'm talking to you, so I have to unplug my stupid-ass printer that was being a bitch this morning. Laptop plugged in. Okay. So, my laptop said that I only had 54 minutes of time. I originally thought that this was going to be a quick, 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 a quick episode. Like, I thought maybe a mini-sode for you guys. But, somehow I fucking popped nine pages of notes out of my butthole. So, yeah, that happened. One second. (sighs) Okay. So, I legit cried because I couldn't get my fucking printer to work. It's been a day. You know, it's still morning, but you know it's been a day. My laptop's being a dick right now. Just trying to do some kind of update or something. I don't know. We're two minutes in and I've done nothing. Okay. All right. So today. Oh my. It seems as if the universe does not want me to record this today. Okay. So. Today, I would just like to start off with saying happy fall, y'all, and happy spooky season, and also happy, oh oh my, happy almost Halloween. I cannot believe that Halloween is literally this weekend. Um, so just a little, little side note. Um, so I'm from Arizona, and it is so freaking weird to me that out here in Ohio, kids don't go trick-or-treating on Halloween. There's like a designated uh, beggar's night, air quotes, beggar's night. And I guess they separate like who can go trick-or-treating or where you're allowed to go trick-or-treating and what time you can go trick-or-treating there. I don't know if it's by the city or the county, but there's literally different dates and times for each area. So you don't go trick-or-treating on Halloween. Like, we went trick-or-treating yesterday, which was Thursday. And it's so weird here. Like, hardly anyone decorated. It was pouring rain. So a lot of people didn't even go out. And our designated Kennedy Rose, if you come in here right now, come here. She's going to cry. Come here and tell everyone about your Halloween costume. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, so we went trick-or-treating yesterday. And, Kennedy, what were you for Halloween? Chase. Chase? Were you on the case? Chase was on the case. My bag fell off. They candy in my bag. Her backpack fell off. And there was candy in her bag. Did you fill up your bag of candy? You did? Yeah, and Gigi's own. Oh, Gigi's bag. It was Gigi's bag of candy. And she filled up her little Paw Patrol backpack that she got. You just hit Bear with the door. Okay, goodbye. I love you. I'm going to finish this episode. Go get fruit punch. Where are you getting fruit punch from? In freezers. In the freezer? Go get it then. They're high. It's too high? Yeah. Can you give me five minutes and I'll go get it for you? Right. Really? Yes, really. No. Yes, give me five minutes, attitude. No. I love you. I love no, you, Nugget. Mommy. She told me that I have to call her Nugget. <laughs> Please. No, no, I say Oh my God! What did I tell you? The universe and my child and the dogs and the printer. Oh my God! Okay, I am gonna get this episode out to you today, Friday. Okay, Jesus, October 29th. <laughs> Almost Halloween. Okay, so she was Chase from Paw Patrol. She was fucking cute as shit. We only trick-or-treated for, I don't know. Oh, anyway, so it was, I think it was 5.30 to 7.30 is the time frame that we were allowed to trick-or-treat. I didn't get home until 6. Chris didn't get home until 6.30. So we only had an hour to trick-or-treat. Luckily, Kennedy got tired about 30, 45 minutes in and gave up. But, like I said, there were probably, I don't know, we probably only hit, like, ten houses. We walked around our entire block. Only, like, four people decorated. Um, But, yeah. So, she had fun. We had fun. We got rained on, but it was fun. We saw some cute little kid costumes. There were uh, two little astronauts. They had the helmets and everything. They were probably, like, I don't know two or three years old, like, little twins. It was very cute. Um, But anyway, fucking stupid that you don't trick-or-treat on Halloween here. I don't know if it's a Midwest thing or what, but frustrating because we almost missed Halloween. If my grandma wouldn't have said, are you guys going to go do beggar's night, which I don't know what the fuck beggar's night is, but um, it's trick-or-treat. But, yeah, if she wouldn't have said anything, then we would have missed it and I would have been so sad. Um, cause I love but anyway, I digress. Um, yep. It's a commercial. Oh, why? Damn it, kid. Some of you may know that I am a tattoo fanatic. I have many tattoos all over my body. I plan on getting more in the near future. I actually have an appointment coming up for a leg sleeve, so that's exciting. 
Um, but recently, a company called Lucky 13s asked me to collaborate with them and to be a tattoo model and a product ambassador. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, so a little bit about the company. Lucky 13s is an all-natural tattoo aftercare brand. Uh, one of their most popular products is a tattoo balm, which brings back your ink's vibrancy and definition. It also heals, moisturizes, and nourishes your skin while keeping your tattoo protected. So I will drop the link for Lucky 13's online shop um, in the show notes and use code WELLS, W-E-L-L-S, for a 25% discount on your entire order. Check them out. Lucky 13s. So I am super excited to announce that I just became a Beachbody coach. Uh, this means that I have full access to Beachbody On Demand, um, the app, the website. Um, I have ordered Shakeology, uh, the vegan chocolate, and then I have a green tea pre-workout on the way. So I'm super excited to get this started. Um, Beachbody On Demand literally has thousands and thousands of workout plans that you can try, nutrition advice. Um, They have access to live workouts. You can do it in a group setting. You just do it on Zoom workouts. Um, It's very cool. Um, I feel like a lot of people hate on Beachbody, but those are probably the people that have never tried it. So if you are interested in having access to thousands and thousands of workouts, having access to um, a group setting, and being able to be in a group that helps you be accountable for your workouts and your uh, fitness journey, uh, just send me a message on my Instagram at fit underscore mamacorn or shoot me an email at kaylee underscore wells at yahoo.com and I can get you registered today. Anyways, I don't know about you, but growing up, my brothers and I would fill up pillowcases full of candy on Halloween, raiding multiple neighborhoods, and as we got older, mobbing the streets and traveling neighborhoods, or traveling to neighborhoods nearby, to find those, you know, those king-size houses. Um, Though our costumes changed and our curfews extended as we got older, one thing always stayed the same after we returned with our loot. Our loads and tons of candy in our little pillowcases. Um, Our parents would always check our candy. Uh, So my generation, the dreaded millennials... Um, laugh about it now because has anyone ever found a razor blade or a needle in their candy? Because I sure haven't. If you have, please share that story with me. That would be amazing. Um, so probably the, oh, wait. Yeah. And then, so I've never found a needle or razor blade. Not, not in Kennedy's candy either. Um, so people nowadays 
warn you to check your children's candy for pot brownies. That's probably the least of our worries. Um, you know, who's just handing out fucking the good stuff to these punk-ass little trick-or-treaters. Um, so I'm convinced our parents were, air quotes, searching our candy. But in reality, they were taking our our childhood tax or their parent tax, as I call it now, because I do the same thing, um, and pick out their favorite candy. That's what I do. That's what me and Chris did yesterday. (laughs) Um, Kennedy really doesn't care about candy candy honestly like she she likes fruit snacks they should should have just given her a box of fruit snacks um so strangely enough i couldn't find any confirmed incidences of stranger poisoning halloween candy or you know razor blades or needles in candy um so just years and years of media driven fear because the possibility does and will always exist as long as we allow the allow and accept candy from strangers, better to be safe than sorry. I know I still check Kennedy's candy, and I have been since since I've done this research. I have been even more skeptical of everything. Like we went to a house and they handed out like a tube of the M and M's, like the mini M and M's, and I was like, we better make sure that's wrapped because those people seemed a little sketch. But, and she had some weird lollipops that I don't, I I think it's just me now overthinking, but she got some weird lollipops that were like, I don't, I don't know if they were Spanish or I don't know. They were very weird. They're like cherry flavored, but they're tiny little, like they look like dum-dums, but they're like a weird wrapping, like a plasticky wrapping. And it looks like on the stick, like it was melted to keep the wrapper on. So she's probably not going to eat those. I'm probably just being weird and they're probably fine. But like I said, better safe than sorry. Um, so this generation worries about pot brownies in their children's candy buckets. We worried about needles and razor blades in our pillowcases. But on Halloween night in 1974, one boy would face the ultimate price for trusting in his father to search his candy bag. Okay. Today, I will be sharing the story of the man who killed Halloween, also known as the Candyman. Trigger warning, right up front, uh, we will be talking about a pretty upsetting death of a child. It is extremely sad and unfortunate, but it is not necessarily super detailed or gory. Uh, So just putting that out there for anyone before we jump into the story. If you're not ready for all that, feel free to turn it off and stay tuned for further episodes. But for anyone that is ready for this story, strap in and let's get it. Uh, so as far as the nickname, the candy man goes, we aren't talking about drugs. This is actual candy. Hence the whole, you know, Halloween candy info. Duh. Um, so though there is also a Houston, Texas serial killer, Dean Coral, who is sometimes known as the candy man, 
uh, that is not who this is about. Uh, this was, so he's known as the Candyman because he groomed and lured his victims by giving out free candy from his father's company and then supplying his victims with drugs later on. Um, also, there is the 1992 film called Candyman, where the deadly ghost with a hook for a hand can be summoned from saying his name five times in a mirror. I will not be, I will not be doing that. I will not be doing that. Um, I think there was a remake of that uh, Candyman movie not too long ago if I'm not mistaken. Um, neither of these are the Candyman we will be discussing today, perhaps for another day. Stay tuned, maybe. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, today we are going to talk about what I would consider the scariest version of the Candyman and the man who will forever be known as the man who killed Halloween. A man who was a man who was willing to kill his own flesh and blood in the hopes of trying to make a quick buck. Ronald Clark O'Brien was a 31-year-old man, a husband and a father of two, two children, uh, eight-year-old Timothy and four-year-old Elizabeth. In 1974, he was working as an optician in the Texas State Optical Center in the Sharpstown area in Texas. Ironically, he was also a deacon at the local Baptist church. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. You'd think he'd uh, be pretty familiar with the whole uh, thou shall not kill lifestyle, you know? Um, but anyway, uh, it was reportedly a cold, rainy, and windy Halloween night in 1974. Uh, dreary and shitty, much like last night when we went trick-or-treating. No one's died that I know of. Dun, dun, dun. Anyway, no, that's not funny. Um, okay, so. <laughs> do, do, do. Dreary. Halloween night, Ronald's son, Timothy O'Brien, was said to have dressed in a Planet of the Apes costume. I'm sure it was fucking badass. I tried to look for pictures, and there's supposedly, like, a picture floating around with, like, five kids sitting on a couch. And it circulated with a lot of the um, news articles and stuff. But it came out later. And that's like that's what I'm finding finding in my research. That was not any of the O'Brien children. I don't know who those kids are. Like it, I mean the the pictures are creepy, and you can see how the '70s costumes are very terrifying. If you want to look that up, but it was definitely not Timothy and his Planet of the Apes costume. Um, but. I'm sure his costume was very, very neat. Um, so the O'Briens were planning on going trick-or-treating with the Bates family. They attended the same Baptist church. Uh, Ronald took his children over to the Bates Motel. <laughs> Just kidding. This is no time for jokes. This is not a joking matter. Uh, so the Bates family, the Bates family's neighborhood was much nicer than the O'Briens' hood. Uh, the two fathers decide to talk to, oh my God, 
The two fathers decide to walk each of their two children up and down two wraparound blocks of Citation and Dun Dunrill Drive um, in the Bates neighborhood. Um, along the way, the four eager children would come upon a dark, clearly not celebrating or making oh, or maybe ran out of candy already. You know the house. Uh, the porch light was off, window shut. Can't be bothered with any of the ghostly, ghostly shenanigans. Of course, the kids run up and try the doorbell anyway. Because, well, you know, kids, candy, Halloween. What else, you know? What else can I say? Uh, when no one answered, the kids didn't miss a beat and ran off to the next house with Jim, the other dad, chaperone. Um, however, Ronald lingered at the home for a few more moments. Ronald emerges from the dark porch with huge pixie sticks, exclaiming, Wow, Jim, you must have some rich neighbors. Not sure who doesn't know this, but... um. On the off chance that you don't know what a pixie stick is, I'll uh, fucking enlighten you. Uh, so they are literally like a tube of flavored sugar, like a two foot long plastic straw filled with flavored sugar. A kid's dream, okay? Uh, almost like, um, it's like almost like you pour the ingredients uh, to make Kool Aid into a long plastic tube. But you forget the water. So it's basically flavoring and sugar in a huge fucking tube. Basically the size of a child. Um, I don't think I've... Maybe I have. I don't think I've ever finished a pixie stick. But if I did, I would probably have diabetes and all my teeth would fall out. So keep an eye out. I don't even know if they make pixie sticks anymore. Let me know. Very important. Someone has to ask the hard-hitting questions. Um, okay. So there were five pixie sticks. So he gave one to each of the kids. Each One to each of his kids. Um, one to each of the Bates kids. And the fifth one was for him. For his, you know, dad tax. You know, the government and all. Um... <laughs> So it started to rain harder, and the kids were... Uh, also, why did Tim... You didn't get Tim one? That's fucked up. He didn't... Tim Tim wouldn't have wanted this pixie stick. They could have shared it. I don't know. Whatever. Tim didn't get any candy. Poor Tim. Um, so it started to rain harder, and the kids were sufficiently pleased with their bounties of candy, and the two families walked back down the street to the Bates' home. Ronald actually ended up giving the pixie stick to a little kid he recognized from their church uh, on their way back to the Bates Motel. Bates House. Sorry. Bates House. Uh, they supposedly were only trick-or-treating for about 30 minutes or so. That's, I mean, these kids are older than Kennedy, so that's a little wild to me. I would fucking trick-or-treat for hours on end. But, I mean, Kennedy and I only... We only trick-or-treated for like 30, 45 minutes. I guess I get it. Um, and it was raining, so. But 
So as the families part ways and the the festivities of the night begin to settle down before bedtime, eight-year-old Timothy pleads with his dad for one more piece of candy before bed. To this, Ronald agrees, but he can only choose one more piece. Absolutely. Wait. Yeah. This, I did this last night, and then I felt, like, really weird about it. Because I was like, Kennedy, you can have one more piece. And then she wanted a sucker. I said, no, don't don't pick a sucker. What about this? So then I felt really weird. I'm like, mm, hopefully she never reads the story and thinks I was trying to poison her. But anyway. Anyways, okay. I'm not trying to poison her. I would never. I feel like she would poison me before I would poison her. She's a, she's a Looney Tune. But anyway. <laughs> We walked past this house yesterday, and the guy was like, come get our candy. But we had already gone there, so we didn't go back. And Kennedy was like, it was probably a little too audible. The guy probably heard her, but she said, that guy is crazy. I was like, oh, my. Oh, my. Anyway, <laughs> so obviously little Timmy chooses the two-foot long pixie stick because that's technically one piece of candy right and the biggest bang for his buck if you're only allowed one piece of candy uh so ronald was secretly hoping his son would choose this special treat which makes this even more fucked up um so within minutes of this is Sorry, guys. Tim. Okay, within minutes of Timothy consuming the pixie stick, he had a reaction. He ran to his parents' bathroom and immediately began vomiting while crying about a terrible stomach ache. Shortly after he began convulsing on the bathroom floor, Ronald reportedly held his son son's body until he went limp, and then Ronald, or possibly his wife, um... Deneen called 911. An ambu- ambulance arrived and rushed Timothy down to the nearby Southmore Hospital where he was unfortunately pronounced dead on arrival. Shortly after the deer, shortly after the Deer Park Valley, or oh my god, shortly after the Deer Park police are notified of a chat of a child's death and they quickly head over to the same hospital where they would find father Ronald O'Brien sitting quietly next to the hospital bed where his son's lifeless body laid. Oh, I hate this part. Okay. This is, I know it's hard. I'm sorry. Um, When questioned, Ronald proceeded to tell the police all about their night trick-or-treating and how prior to Timothy getting sick, he had helped helped his son eat this giant pixie stick they had gotten while trick-or-treating that night. I hate this part. I definitely cried when I was doing research. Um... But let's try and keep it together for a second. Um, so he goes on to explain to the police that it seemed as though the sugar had hardened in the straw and his son wasn't able to pour the sugar out of the tube. So he 
Okay. Mama's gonna cry. Okay. Whew. Sorry. So he began. Oh my God. Okay. So he could. The sugar. He couldn't get the sugar. Pour the sugar out of the tube. So being the amazing hero dad he is. Gag. Um, stupid. I hate this man. Um, he worked the tube through his palms, like rubbing it through his palms, to dislodge the break and dislodge and break up the blockage. Ugh, I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. He even helped Timothy pour the sugar straight into his mouth. Okay. So he explains how Timothy complained of the candy being bitter. Instead of throwing this bitter, stale pixie stick away, like any normal parent would think to do, uh, what does Ronald do? You guessed it. Gave Timothy a big old glass of Kool-Aid to wash down the bitter taste of his candy. What? That's not what you guys guessed? What? That's wild. (laughs) Wash down your sugar with some more sugar. Right before bed? Excuse me? What, Ronald? What were you thinking? If he wasn't trying to kill him, he was certainly trying to give him diabetes. Oh, no. Any logical parent. Clearly, clearly Ronald had an agenda because this literally defies... All parental logic, okay? This was not... (sighs) Yeah, okay. So, but... Okay. But at the the time, uh, when he's telling this to the Deer Park police, uh, the police didn't have any reason to suspect Ronald. The fear of strangers tampering with candy has existed for years and years, and even prior to this incident, it has existed. Um, naturally, the police became worried that someone in the neighborhood was targeting children and their candy on Halloween night. The police asked what area the family went trick-or-treating, and he explained that they only that they had only uh, been on two blocks in the Pasadena, Texas neighborhood. Uh, the Bates neighborhood, uh, but he couldn't remember what house they had gotten the pixie sticks from. Likely fucking story, you piece of shit. Um, oh, I hate him so much. So police canvassed uh, the Bates neighborhood, so like 30 houses at least. They asked every house what type of candy they handed out. Um, and they ask every parent, oh, this gives me goosebumps. They ask every parent to wake up their own children to search their candy, um, and make sure they're still okay. Um, because everyone appeared to be a risk of this pixie stick poisoning piece of shit. Okay. Um, maybe people in this community started bringing, wait, Many people in this community started bringing in their children's Halloween candy in fear of them being poisoned. Um, When I told you this man ruined Halloween, I mean this motherfucker single-handedly ruined Halloween. At least for this Deer Park area and the surrounding Pasadena neighborhoods. Um, 
So the weeks following Halloween, the Pasadena and surrounding police departments were just overflowing with Halloween candy. Local hospitals were also offering two x-ray candy for parents' peace of mind. But you can't see cyanide on an x-ray machine, can you, Doc? I don't think so. Um, so a recap of Halloween, 1974 in Pasadena, Texas. Poor Timothy O'Brien has died. The rest of the town's candy is now in evidence or has radiation poisoning. Fuck you, Ronald. Fuck you. Um, luckily, all other tainted pixie sticks were found, two remaining in the O'Brien household, obviously. One was Timothy's, one was Elizabeth's, and one was fucking Ronald's. Uh, two in the Bates Motel. Bates, stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Um, the Bates house, whatever. And the final one that Ronald gave... Oh, wait, no. Two remaining in the Bates... Oh, in the O'Brien house. No. Well, one and a half, right? Because it was Elizabeth's and... Timothy's, and then this one, the third one that the O'Briens were supposed to have, um, was found in the little boy's house, the little boy that he saw on their way back to the Bates house that they recognized from church. Okay, so this final pixie stick was said to have been found in bed with the little boy. The paper was ripped off, but luckily... The boy wasn't strong enough to remove the staple from the top and fell asleep while trying to open it. That's, that's terrifying. Like, I mean, thank God someone was watching out for this kid. Thank God this little boy was not strong enough or determined enough to open this pixie stick. And thankfully he fell asleep before he was able to open it, but it was almost... I mean, one kid dead is terrible, but it was almost a lot worse if everyone would have opened these pixie sticks. Um, so tests were ran on the pixie stick ingested by Timothy, and it was discovered that there was enough cyanide in the pixie stick to kill at least two adults, and the other four death straws uh, could have killed at least three to four adults. That's wild. That is a lot of cyanide. After only finding five pixie sticks amongst the two families that went out together, um, still not being able to pinpoint where they came from, things are starting to look a little suspicious, right? Uh, after the cops continue to press Ronald, and he, he takes them on a wild goose chase up and down those two blocks three three plus times at least he finally points to a random house and accuses a man named courtney melvin uh while they are looking into the sky rinald rinald ronald is able to breathe and he thinks he is off the radar that is until good old courtney melvin has an airtight fucking alibi you dumb shit ronald you are an idiot so mr melvin was an air traffic controller 
at the William P. Hobby Airport. He was at work until 11 p.m. on Halloween night. Shocker. So, Timothy... Okay, yeah. So, obviously, it was not Mr. Melvin. He's Scott Clear. Everything is pointed pointing back to Ronald, seems. Um, so, Timothy was laid to rest on November 2nd, just days after his unfortunate death. Ronald, I'm not going to call him a dad anymore because he makes me fucking sick. Uh, but this piece of shit had the nerve, nay, the audacity to perform. I say perform because he's obviously a fucking fake piece of shit. He has the audacity to perform a somber eulogy that had everyone in the crowd crying. Piss off, Ronald. Everyone in the crowd crying, you know, except for who? Except for fucking Ronald. So, Jim Bates, uh, the other dad that was on the Halloween adventure with the O'Brien family, took note of Ronald's dad, of Ron, oh my god, of Ronald's odd behavior, so at the funeral, took note of Ronald's odd behavior when viewing his son's body in the casket, emotionless, didn't take a moment to say goodbye or shed a tear, three days after his son dies, and he has no, he's not a blubbering mess, he has no fucking emotion, Suspicious, okay, and fucking terrible. Um, so detectives point the investigation back towards Ronald due to the fact that he's a full of shit murderer and Jim's testimony that he had never actually saw the door open at the house where Ronald supposedly received the poison pixie sticks. So that would be Mr. Melvin's house. Nobody actually saw him get the fucking pixie sticks, so maybe he hid them in his pant leg. I don't know. Um, then police were also able to find from an insurance agent that Ronald had recently upped his children's life insurance policy and only waited 24 hours after Timothy's death to claim his payout. Ugh, fucking disgusting. Okay, with that, only three days after his son's memorial, Ronald is arrested on November 5th, 1974, on one count of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder because he put four other children at risk of being poisoned. So, the four other children were his daughter Elizabeth, the two Bates children, and the little boy from the church. Um, sorry about that. Kennedy just had me open a fortune cookie for her. Uh, do you remember as kids, we would read the fortunes and then say, uh, let me, let me start over. Uh, this is a prosperous time in your life in bed. Do you remember that? Am I the only one? Okay. Anyway, back to the evidence. Okay. <laughs> so... The evidence. After a search of his home, detectives discover overdue uh, bill amounts totaling 
to nearly the same amount that Ronald would have earned if he successfully poisoned both of his children and never got caught. Hmm. Suspicious. Um, they also found a pocket knife with sugar residue and plastic pieces matching the pixie stick straws. Fucking idiot. Why would you not throw that away? Why would you not clean it off? Like, thank God he didn't, but also, like, what do you... I don't know. What, what... Sometimes people just... I don't get it. Okay, so after six months of being in custody, Ronald... Ronald's jury trial would officially start on May 5th of 1975. So the trial. At the trial, the state would explain to the jury that Ronald Clark O'Brien had killed his son purely for financial gain. They showed the extensive amount of debt that Ronald had been racking up for the last 10 to 15 years, putting him around $100,000 in debt. Um, around the time of the murder, yeah, around the time of the murder, he was in $100,000 of debt, at least. Um, so that was in 1974. He was unable to hold one job. He was, yeah, he was unable to hold a job for a consistent amount of time and had over 20 jobs in the last 10 years. And apparently he was accused of stealing at the current job that he was at, the optometrist. Opt opt Yep, optometrist, yeah, the eye doctor, yeah, whatever. So he's a fucking criminal through and through. Um, so their home was about to be foreclosed. Their car was on the verge of being repossessed. Debt out the wazoo. Um, so his plan... Let's talk about it. Um, so January of 1974, around 10 months prior to the poisoning, Ronald had taken out two separate $10,000 life insurance policies on each of his children. His wife didn't want to get the didn't want to get them um, because they were already strapped for cash, like they couldn't even pay their bills, and now he is wanting to get life insurance policies on perfectly healthy children. Strange. Okay. His wife thought this is not necessary. Our children are in perfect health. We love them dearly. Nothing will, will happen to them, especially in their young age, right? That's what a regular human mother parent even would think, right? Um, not if you love this piece of shit fucking excuse for a dad. Um, so his wife didn't uh, want to sign off on the insurance policies. Um, but apparently he apparently he told the insurance agent that it wasn't necessary to get his wife's signature. And that he should just go on with it with just his signature and file them privately at the agency. Uh, also, oh, he also paid cash for a second set of $20,000 insurance policies on each child on October 3rd, 28 days before the poisoning. If that's not premeditation, I don't know what is. Uh, so his end game was to clearly kill both of his children 
for roughly sixty thousand. Oh my god, I just choked. <laughs> for roughly sixty thousand dollars. Okay, your own flesh and blood. You were going to murder both of your children for sixty thousand dollars. That's hardly anything. Okay. <sighs> So that didn't go, so that obviously did not go as planned, and only Timothy died. Um, let me let me give you a little tip, anyone? Ron, mostly. Um, would you like to know how to fix your debt? Are you ready? Is everyone listening? Are you listening? Turn it up right now. Turn it up. I'll wait. Are you ready? Bankruptcy! That's it. Look, all your debt is gone. My debt completely gone. I declared bankruptcy. Goodbye. You're welcome. Uh, so Ronald, instead of doing this, Ronald attempted uh, to order cyanide while at work and asked a coworker how or where he could purchase cyanide. You, sir, are a new breed of fucking stupid because this man obviously testified against him and said this in court. Um, after purchasing the two life insurance policies on October 3rd, Ronald went to a nearby chemical store named Curtin Matheson Scientific Company looking to purchase a wee bit of cyanide. He left. Yep, he left. When he was told he could not or he could only purchase the cyanide in five-pound bags. Apparently, that was entirely too much cyanide. That was a whole bunch, and he did not need a whole bunch. He needed a wee bit, okay? He was not trying to murder the whole neighborhood, just his own children. Um, so he declined the deal where he actually where he actually got the cyanide. I really don't know. I could not find where he got cyanide. He did not get it from them. Um... So what really so what really swayed the jury though was when Ronald's wife Deneen testified against her husband in court saying she never saw one tear ever come from her husband after their son's death. She she claimed blah, blah, she claimed to know she claimed to not know of the $20,000 insurance policies and didn't even know that he went through with purchasing the $10,000 policies because she wouldn't sign off on it. So she thought that as two parental units, you need both of the signatures, which you probably should, or you probably do. He's just a fucking swindler. Um, but yeah, so she didn't even know that he signed up for the $10,000 policies for each of the children because they were strapped for cash. Uh, the creepiest example she shared was when um, Ronald brought up the biblical story of Abraham being asked to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, and how Abraham must have felt terrible about that. What? That's terrifying. He's a, he's a, oh, he's a disgusting human being and he is, yeah, yep, he was, sorry, he was. You'll learn more about that later. Stay tuned. Um, so I think that um, I'm going to talk about it a little bit later. But um, Deneen, the wife, actually thought that 
he was planning on murdering her as well because she found out that he got a life insurance policy out on her as well. So she figured that there was this plan, but also she believed that she was somehow worked into the plan because if he would have been able to kill everyone, he would have got well over what their debt was. So that's what she believed. That's what I kind of believe as well. Um, but anyway, so Ronald stood by the stood by the story that he was innocent and some stranger really was targeting the children and their candy in the area. Only, oh wait, on June 3rd of 1975, not, a, not even a year after the murder, Ronald Clark O'Brien was found guilty of after, wait, of after just 41 minutes of jury deliberation, despite his tireless efforts of trying to, air quotes, prove his innocence. Uh, so much financial motive and evidence was obviously put forth in the trial. Um, it only took them another 71 minutes of deliberation to decide that his crimes were fit for the death penalty because Texas said, homie, don't fucking play that, okay? Um, Ronald's wife immediately divorced him. Good for you, Deneen. Good for you. Um, and claimed that she believed, here it is, he claimed that she believed his original plan included collecting an insurance policy on her as well. Um, I guess his wife married or remarried about four years later and, um, from the day he was convicted, she spent the rest of the time before he was executed, um, diligently trying to keep, uh, Ronald out of his daughter's life due to the fact that he was intending to murder her as well. So... They never spoke again. <laughs> um, poor Elizabeth. Uh, so Ronald was hated in prison for killing his own child, and the prisoners actually petitioned to have a public execution when it was Ronald's time to go. I'm guessing that just means that the So sorry, I was trying to see why my fucking computer was all highlighted and then I pushed the stop recording button. Told you, the universe out to get me today, but we're pushing through. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. Okay. So like I said, uh, the inmates were trying to petition for a public execution, which I think that just means that the prisoners wanted to watch him die. <laughs> um, I don't think that got passed. Um, but, um, so Ronald, tried to maintain his innocence and appealed and appealed his death penalty, pushing back his execution dates four times. So his first date was uh, August 8th, 1980. Um, he attempted an appeal. They gave him a stay of execution, which just means that they pushed back his execution date. Um, no sufficient evidence was found, so... Still, they scheduled another execution for May 25th, 1981. Attempted appeal, stay of execution. Then the third one, uh, the courts, you know, creatively scheduled his third execution date on the anniversary of his son's death. 
Um, he was granted this day of execution. I believe that was, what, eight years? Yeah, that was eight-year anniversary of his son's death. Um, so March 31st, 1984, his appeal was denied. Fucking finally executed, motherfucker. God, fucking piece of shit. Finally. A lot of people don't agree with the death penalty. I sometimes don't agree with the death penalty, but this guy helped his son eat a pixie stick that he knew had cyanide in it, so he can go fucking rotten hell. I don't give a shit. I wish they would have fucking... What is the... What's the one when they shoot him? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that one. What is it? Yeah, I wish they would have done that. What is it called? Hold on. Hey Siri, what are the forms of execution? Here are some results I found. Let's Capital see. punishment in the United States, scaphism, execution by hanging, crucifixion, decapitation, no. blood eagle, slow slicing, flaying, stoning, and capital punishment in the United Kingdom. No. None of them. Fire squad. Execution by fire squad. Whatever. Decapitation, whatever. Any blood eagle. That sounds neat. I don't know what that is. But I wish they would have done something other than a fucking lethal injection because they give you pain medicine or whatever. They give you whatever the hell it is to make you make it not hurt when it goes through your veins. But I wish they would have fucking, yeah, done worse to him because he did worse. His fucking death was less painful than his son's death. That's bullshit. Ooh, okay. Anyway, okay, let's just... Back to execution day. <laughs> there was a heavy presence of... Oh, wait. There was a heavy presence both for and against his death. Over 300 people in the execution chambers. That's crazy. That's a lot of people. I don't know how big the execution chambers are, but this seems like a fucking arena of people. Uh, those who wanted him dead eerily chanted trick or treat while throwing candy at those who are um, that of those who were against capital punishment. So they didn't necessarily think he was innocent. They just didn't agree with the death penalty. So <laughs> hopefully no one actually thought that he was innocent. Well, that's a lie because here we go. Well, at least one person thought he was innocent. So amongst the crowd, uh, mourning his exist—oh, his existence. I'm mourning his existence. Amongst the crowd, uh, mourning his execution was an 18-year-old Texas A&M student named Kim Manganero. Manganero. Yep, Manganero. She was sobbing and yelling, I'll miss you, Ron, with a quivering voice. So I read an article uh, that they had been, air quotes, corresponding uh, while he's been in prison for the last six months. I don't, I'm not sure exactly what that means or if it was like necessarily sexual or explicit in content, but come on, Kim. Fucking really? Just 
do better. You know who else would have been 18? His poor innocent son, Timothy, that he murdered. He would have been 18 years old. Do better, Kim. Do better. Not a friend to have. Honestly, not a friend to have. Um. Huh, so in his last moments, oh my God, I hate this man so much. Okay, in his last moments, he continued to profess his innocence, stating, if in any way, oh, oh, if any, sorry, let's start over. Stating, if in any of my 39 years, I have offended anyone, I hope they will forgive me as I forgive them. Fuck you. I also, I said that, not him. I also pray and ask God's forgiveness for all of us respectively as human beings. Go fuck yourself, okay? Shove your prayers up your fucking ass, Ron. Oh my God. Hate him. I hate this guy. So his last words were, get ready. Um, his last words were, God bless you all, and may God's best blessings be always yours. I really hate this man. I fucking hate this man, y'all. Oh my god. Shove your blessings up your ass. Like, go fucking, yeah, rotten hell. He was administered a lethal mixture of barbiturates and potassium chlorine, and he was finally pronounced dead March 31st. 1984 at 11, early at 12:48 a.m. so a little after midnight so ronald's parents legit believed that he didn't do it and they stood by him in his story that he uh that a stranger did it and he was being wrongly convicted bunch of tards okay apple doesn't fall far from the tard tree so i get like defending your kid, but he killed your grandchild. He li- he did. He did. He killed your fucking grandkid. Like, how can you stand by that? He's a fucking, uh, complete piece of fucking human shit. Ugh. Fuck you, Ron. God, I hate this man. Have I said that? I hate this man. Okay? I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. I hate him. Um, By this time, Elizabeth, his daughter, was 15, and her mom said this finally ended a 10-year tragedy, and they can finally begin to heal. 10 years of appeals of him being a fucking piece of shit. He knew that he did it. Everyone knew that he did it. Appeal after appeal. 10 years later, he's finally executed. Um, So, Denise never cashed the insurance money after Timothy's death. Um, this makes my heart hurt. Um, she said it was blood money and it didn't, it didn't feel right to her, which I get that. I totally get that. Um, yeah. For about what? $60,000 or no, it wasn't even $60,000. It would have been $60,000 if he killed both of his kids for about, 30 something thousand dollars he killed his own flesh and blood that's ridiculous any amount of money is ridiculous but thirty thousand dollars that's ridiculous that's ugh, disgusting okay so let's be done with that uh well that was the tragic story of a boy 
who lost his life um, at the hands of his piece of shit father. Don't even want to call him a father. Fucking piece of shit person. <laughs> um, devil man. Um, Ronald Clark. Ronald Clark O'Brien, a.k.a. Fucky McFuckface, a.k.a. The Man Who Ruined Halloween, a.k.a. The Candyman. That's your Halloween episode. I apologize. I apologize. I really do. Um, If you stuck through the whole thing, thank you for listening. I'm sorry. Um, But, yeah. I hope you guys have a good rest of your day. I'm sorry. Hopefully I didn't ruin it. Um, But hopefully, I mean, check your kids' candy. I know I did. I fucking checked Kennedy's candy very thoroughly. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. Take your parent tax. We earned it. But definitely check your kids' candy. Um, and if they ever ask why you're checking their candy, don't tell them razor blades, tell them cyanide. (laughs) Um, just kidding, but really. Um, so not sure how to end this, honestly, after this fucking such a downer. Um, but yeah, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at serialkillers underscore seltzer. And please send me an email with any suggestions or stories of your own. That sounded weird. Stories of your own. Stories of your own. Um, any spooky stories, paranormal, murdery, funny, whatever you want to tell me. Who cares? Let's do it. Maybe I'll do a story, uh, yeah, a listener story episode of everyone's little, little anecdotes. Fun, spooky Don't be a murderer, but, you know, spooky ghosts, whatever. The Halloween spirit. It's the Halloween season. I just remake that holiday holiday season. Yep, anyway. Um, So, also, my email is uh, amijustcray, C-R-A-Y, at gmail.com so am i just cray at gmail.com send me a fucking email please use subject line spooky just so it's easier for me to find the emails because there's a lot of emails to sort through um then i can just type in spooky and it'll bring up all the subject line spooky so please do that um yeah thank you so much for listening thanks for sticking around uh, remember, I have Serial Killers and Seltzer stickers, holographic and normal stickers uh, for $3 each. And I am working on an apparel uh, website and new launches, uh, new whatever drops, whatever, sweaters, t-shirts, all kinds of stuff. That is in the works. So stay tuned for that. Um, stay tuned for any future episodes. But until next time, happy Halloween and cheers, witches. It's a commercial. Oh, why? Damn it, kid. Pure Romance is the nation's largest and fastest growing woman-to-woman direct seller of relationship enhancement and intimacy products. 
including sex toys, bath, beauty, and cosmetic products, creams, lubricants, and massage oils, lingerie, bedroom accessories, and gifts and jewelry. If you would like to browse my website, go ahead and type in pureromance.com backslash K-A-L-E-E W-E-L-L-S.